right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and unfortunately, Barney can't join us this week. So we've got a very special guest uh, to take his place, Mr. Jamie Farr from Portugal on that. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on, Albert. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back on. Our pleasure as well. Thank you so much for joining us. People who've listened to the show before will know that Jamie's joined us a couple of times now, I think, once uh, once each season so far. So Jamie's someone that we love having on the show and yeah, we do appreciate uh, your time. Jamie's going to be joining us for our regular weekly roundup show. We're going to be diving into all things Premier League shortly, both at the top end of the table uh, and down towards the relegation battle as well. But of course, we do want to touch on European football as there are still two Portuguese teams involved in European competition. Benfica are still in the Champions League, playing Liverpool and Braga are in the Europa League against Rangers. Now, Jamie, let's start with Benfica. By the time this show comes out, Benfica's game with Liverpool will be, will be over and, and most likely Benfica's involvement in the Champions League um, will be over. But let's just look back to how they did against Liverpool in the first leg. They lost 3-1 at home, of course, a disappointing result on paper but I have to say I thought the performance itself while disappointing in the first half I thought they did very well in the second half and in a game like this against Liverpool when chances are you're going to lose you're coming up against a team with resources that you really can't match for me it's all about just giving a good show of yourself giving a good account of yourself giving the fans something that they can be proud of you know a big thing in Portugal is is that the Portuguese fans like their clubs to be well represented on the big stage when when they play against these big teams. And without wanting to be patronising, I think they did do that. They did really well to score early in the second half. And I think they were probably unlucky to see the third goal, concede the third goal. On a different day, it could have been a slightly better result. Yeah, the fact that Liverpool have gone 2-0 up at half-time, you just think, you know, there's such a sense of inevitability that goes with, I mean, their matches, to be honest, the way they... The, the way they play and, and not least what we've seen in, in recent years um, in all those times they've played Porto, which is, you know, nothing against them. That's just, that's just Liverpool's incredible strength. So I think, yeah, we probably thought that, you know, a similar situation where just more goals would follow in the second half and you'd be, you know, forgiven for thinking that the tie was truly done at half time. But yeah, to sort of, you know, I know, it's a bit of a cliche, but to draw that second half. And I think the one key difference as well for Benfica is, as you say, I completely expect uh, Liverpool to progress um, from the second leg. But, you know, the the new away goal rule or, you know, lack thereof means it's not, you know, fully, fully dead. An, an early goal for Benfica um, at Anfield and, you know, you just never know. Um as I say, I'm fully expecting a Liverpool win, but um, yeah, I think they, I think they did uh, give a good account of themselves. At the very least, in the second leg, they'll be able to play without any pressure, and I think hopefully um, that will make a difference. And look, if this is Benfica's last involvement in the Champions League, as we expect it to be, I think you can still put this down as a very, very successful campaign. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I know they uh, were not the side they are right now at the time but you know they eliminated Barcelona from the group stage Mm. Um, really tough uh, group um, to progress from and and I think you know and I think Ajax were probably sort of marginal favorites for the knockout game too so yeah I don't think any fan would have thought that they'd be in the quarterfinals at at the start of the season so yeah fantastic um, European campaign and and as we've sort of alluded to you know could zero uh, shame in in losing to um, arguably the strongest team in the competition. Exactly that, exactly that. Well, on the more positive end of the spectrum, Braga did did very well, I thought, to get a 1-0 win over Rangers. Going into the game, I, I was very much of the mindset that this was two very even teams going up against each other. I thought it was going to be a very tight match, but I was really impressed with Braga. And for me, although I might be biased, I, I thought that they were the better team on the night. Yeah, it was a fascinating matchup, um, especially as a, a rematch to them playing a, a couple of years back. And I think Braga would have been disappointed on on that occasion to uh, to have mm. not gone through that, that one because they had their chances in 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 that tie. So um, maybe a, a sense of um, score to settle. But um, 
Yeah, I think after a pretty dodgy first half of the season, I think Braga sort of seemed to be showing signs of kind of getting there. Um, again, perhaps maybe they'll 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 regret not uh, winning by more than one. But um, yeah, a, a good result and and the clean sheet should give them some confidence as well. Well, it was exactly that that I was going to come on to because I think the only downside to this scoreline is the fact that it is only a one goal advantage. I thought they could have scored more, and ideally, I think given the, the dominance that they had in the game, they would have taken more of an advantage into the second leg. A one-goal lead, as we well know in these two-leg European, European ties, is really not very much at all. And to then go into the away leg uh, in Glasgow, where Rangers will have the support of that fantastic fan base behind them, and um, you sense it's going to be a much tougher game for Braga in that leg. That said, I agree that I think Braga playing the best they've played all season right now. So I think this is you know, really the best time for them to be playing a game like this. I thought some of the players on the night were absolutely fantastic. Um, the young left wing back, who his name skip, slips my mind, but he impressed me so much. I thought Fabiano, who kind of filled in as a, as a third centre-back, was excellent. There were so many players that really stood out and and did well. So it's not going to be it's not going to be easy, but I do feel confident going into that second leg. And it might be a slim advantage, but it is an advantage nonetheless. Braga had the odd frailty at the back in that first leg, but I think, likewise, uh, I don't think Rangers' um, defence inspired much confidence either. So um, I think there's opportunity to score for Braga, um, which again, you know, technically, as you know, as we've touched on before, you know, without the away goal, that's maybe not quite as key. But um, yeah, I think I think they've. As a team, they've got more confidence, and I think they'll just edge it. Although I think it will be—I will—I do think it'll be very close. Absolutely. Well, Braga take on Rangers on Thursday. Benfica, as we said, will be playing on Tuesday, so that game will be over by the time this podcast comes out. But definitely keep an eye on Braga uh, on Thursday night. Well, let's move on to the Premier League. Jamie, let's talk about Benfica. That's the first game I want to touch on. Benfica obviously dropped points dropped points last week against Braga. And we're looking to bounce back from that disappointing result and the loss to Liverpool in midweek. Who better to face than Jamie than Premier League whipping boys? Be sad. But this game was never going to be as easy as the last time these two teams met in that now infamous night in November. Um, for starters, B sad had 11 players on the pitch. Uh, and second, they managed to go 1 0 up after just three minutes. It was definitely a bit nervy after that. But Darwin Nunes does what he does, took the game into his own hands and got himself a hat-trick to really put the game beyond any doubt. Now, is there anything more inevitable in life than Darwin Nunes scoring a hat-trick against B-Sad? <laughs> well, that's it. It's looking that way, isn't it? I mean, um, you know, I, I, I still don't think that first hat-trick should count. But, I'm with uh, you. I'm with you. <laughs> but but, but that said, even if you took that away, I think he's still uh, a decent amount ahead in the golden boot race. So I think, you know, I, I think that argument is quite defunct. But um, yeah, he just seems to be getting better and better. Um, and uh, yeah, he's such an interesting player to watch. His movement at times is quite unorthodox, but I don't know. That's almost like a bit of a, a backhanded compliment because he, I think that's that's. I think he's a great mover. You know, I, I don't. I don't think that's a. You know any kind of negative in any way um but he's sort of you know he's he's starting to play with that swagger that you know you can see where a, a player is sort of beginning to perhaps outgrow um the league or or even team to an extent yeah i wanted to highlight as well the the, the second uh, goal he scored in yeah. particular i mean yeah touching on the his movement i just think his movement was was so good because he makes the run for I think it's I think Tarabt both times plays a through ball and, and, and the first one gets cut out. Mm. But mm. he has to so quickly get back on side and then make the other run. And mm. it's all done in this fluid motion. And he's the timing of his run is incredible and uh and, and a great finish too. So I think that was, you know, a little sort of encapsulation of of what he's about for for anyone that doesn't really know too much about him. I would say watch watch that second goal. I hundred percent agree. I think, as you say, that that second goal really highlighted everything that he's about. I think that kind of epitomised his whole game 
in one small microcosm. He has, of course, been phenomenal all season. He will undoubtedly finish um, this season as the league's top scorer. Uh, and as you as you mentioned, we fully expect him to leave Benfica at the end of the season for a very hefty sum of money. I am interested in your take on what you see his future being, not specifically what club you see him going to, but just for a player like Darwin, who's scored a lot of goals in the Premier League, who's impressed a lot of people in the Champions League as well, what do you think we can expect from him once he does make that big move? Well, to be honest, I, I, I really do see him going to the Premier League. The fact that, uh, I mean, he, he, it was just the one goal, obviously, but I think just even the, the, the simple notion of scoring against Liverpool, you know, that really gives him that extra sort of um, presence and uh, exposure to to teams perhaps in the Premier League who were, who were already, will have been scouting him, of course. But I think that's that style of of, of play he has. And, you know, he's, he's quite a sort of, he's quite a big guy as well. I think he seems like the sort of player who can handle... I know, I know. It's just almost a bit of a, a cliche talking about the physicality and speed of the of the Premier League, but I would say it's a lot of it is in terms of the the dynamism of 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 that league, and I think he that's I think that's the kind of bracket he can fit into quite well. I guess obviously it would very much depend on which team he ended up at, um, without stating the obvious, because. You know, I think Man United have been mentioned and, you know, obviously they're in complete disarray, but who knows what sort of situation they'll be in in the summer if they get Ten Hag, um, as expected. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, th- I think he's, you know, I really do think he's capable of playing for for some of the best teams in, in that league. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see who, who ends up landing him. Yeah, I think you're spot on to say that he has to pick his next move so carefully. I mean, every, every player in his position has to pick their next move carefully, but I think Darwin, especially, I think as we've kind of alluded to in that conversation, he does have quite a specific way of playing. So I think it's really important that he doesn't just move to a club who've seen his goal scoring numbers uh, and taken a chance on him. He goes to a club where they understand how he wants to play also, let's be fair, understand his limitations because for all the positive attributes he has, he's not exactly the perfect footballer. He still has some areas of weakness, I think particularly in terms of playing in tight spaces, close control, that kind of football doesn't quite suit him. But if he does go to a club that recognises that when you put him in the right place and let him loose, yeah, he could be um, an absolutely frightening striker, I think. Well, another player that had an eventful game, Jamie, Adele Sarabd. At fault for the first goal, almost comically, almost predictably at fault for the first goal. Um, first of all, by losing the ball in midfield and second, by some really poor defending trying to make up for his mistake. But full credit to him because he went on to assist two of Darwin's goals. And in general, I think he did show in this game just what his qualities are, especially when it comes to his range of passing. Now, to put it politely... I think he's something of a divisive figure amongst Benfica fans. And for myself, I am often torn between thinking that he's a bit perhaps over the hill, possibly out of his depth. And sometimes you look at him and you think, you know what, actually this guy still has something to offer this team. So as long as you use him correctly, maybe there is a space for him. What what do you make of him? Um, Do you still think he's a valuable player for Benfica? Because... He, the amount of minutes that he's been getting for Benfica this season, I think it's more than last season, I'm right in saying it. It, it has surprised me. So he is someone that they are relying on. I find it a little, little bit strange because I'm 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 quite a big fan of, of Jean Mario. Um, and I do find it, you know, I've, I've found it a little bit odd that uh, ever since, you know, Verissimo took uh, took the post that he's, he's basically just been completely ignored. Um, you know, I... I I think I think he started the season really well, and 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 I concede I think he had a bit of a drop off in the late sort of Jesus days, but it seems quite bizarre to, to sort of just cut him out completely, which is which is near enough what has happened. Um, and I thought he played very well um, at the at the weekend. I guess maybe you know to a degree maybe someone like Tarapt has a higher 
ceiling in terms of what he can do in a game, but to, but also perhaps the uh, going the other way, there's you know can can <laughs> make more mistakes than someone like Jamario, yes. who's a bit more reliable. So yeah, a little bit surprised he's maybe got as many minutes over what, what I would consider a more consistent Jamario. I think um, someone like Tarap's involvement in the team is almost emblematic of the kind of poor squad planning, the poor organisation that Benfica have had for a few years now, let's be honest. The fact that Adele Tarapti is one of their best options in midfield, in my opinion, just kind of goes to show that the recruitment and perhaps management of, of young players just, just hasn't been there for a little while. And that, that does bring me on to another thing that I wanted to ask you more generally about Benfica, because we are, of course, now five games until the end of the season and Benfica themselves have not really got anything left to play for domestically. And it will undoubtedly have to go down as another disappointing season. And really their third disappointing season in a row. They've they've tried a lot of things over the last three years. They went back to George Jesus. They spent 100 million euros in a, in a transfer window. Um, and now, as we've seen quite strong rumours, they, they look close to appointing German coach Roger Smith for PSV. I'd be just interested in your take on Benfica about what they need to do to kind of stop the rot, as it were. What do they need to do to, to make that next step? What would you want to see from them over the summer, perhaps, you know, to try and get back to, to where they need to be? And just to offer up some of my own opinions, I think perhaps there needs to be some brave decisions made about what players they keep and what players they let go. Maybe not brave, perhaps brave is not the right word, but uncomfortable or difficult, maybe not keeping players just because it's easy to keep them maybe be a bit more ambitious in the transfer market, not in terms of spending money, but understanding that there's probably a bit of an overhaul that needs to be done in terms of bringing in players with a, with the right attitude to succeed at a club, which let's face it, Benfica's a club that should be succeeding in the Premier League every season. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think um, at the end of the season, when we, you know, when you look back at their last three campaigns, they're nowhere near good enough for for the standard that they've set themselves previously. You know that a lot of fans seem to be very unhappy at board level and and the you know with the president and want sort of fundam seem to want fundamental change at that level. But yeah, it's it's a tricky one because yeah, you know as you mentioned that that summer where they spent so much money. You know personally, I thought that would see them end up walking the, uh, that year and, and and they did anything but but yeah I think I, I don't know it's 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 a tricky one because again <laughs> I, lo- I look at I look at that squad and I think that they they should be right alongside Porto and and, and sporting in 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 many senses you know I mean they do have in theory they have the means for a complete overhaul because if you look at some of the players that they that they could sell, which let's face it, you know, is, is always an inevitability. There's some serious funds to be to be generated there. And um... <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, to be fair, if, if either of us had the answers, we'd probably not be sitting here uh, right now. But I, I agree. I agree with I agree with what you said. And I think the key thing is that there's there's too many transfers that haven't quite come off and they've ended up with quite a bloated squad. So, yeah, definitely work to be done in the transfer market for me. I think, of course, Jamie, we should touch on, on BSAD at least. I mean, they've obviously had a very poor season so far. We know that they are really the favourites to go down, but... To be fair to them, un- under their relatively new manager, Felipe Candido, I think they have improved. I think their defence has certainly improved. They've got a few more points in recent games. Obviously, they got the opening goal in this game. But it, my opinion of them is that they just do not quite have the quality, in my opinion, to stay in this division this season. I'm not sure if you would agree with that. I think the writing's been on the wall mm. for a while now, barring what, what would have to be considered a pretty miraculous turn, uh, turnaround I think you just look at the squad and it's I just don't think it's good enough I, I, I there's there's good players there um but I just think you know I feel I feel like it's a bit of a mis- mismatch of of players at varying stages of their careers and it's yeah it's really different and in terms of like lone players young players experienced players 
which you know in theory can can work out great but it's just not, it's just not happening for them at the moment and i would like to highlight um afonso souza in midfield who who got that opening goal did make the mistake for for the equalizer admittedly but he was singled out by by his manager at the weekend as well uh, who who basically just admitted that he he's their best player uh, outright and the fact that you know the fact that he made the portuguese uh, under 21 squad yeah despite the club being in the position they are is is kind of all all you need to say about how good he's been so yeah i would be very surprised to see to see them in the division next year but um it's it's been a pretty disastrous campaign and uh, it, it felt like perhaps this sort of season was was on the cards for for a little while well i think you're absolutely absolutely right sir highlight Afonso Souza. I think he has been the one positive in what has been a very negative season for me. I, I would be really interested to see him play at a different club next season, a club where he's surrounded by a, a few better players, perhaps with, maybe it's a bit harsh, but perhaps with a better coach. Um, that would be really interesting to, to see. But yeah, I totally agree. Unfortunately for Sad, the writing looks very much on the wall. As you rightly say, well, let's do our next game, Jamie. Let's talk about Tondela versus Sporting, a game that Sporting won 3-1. A fifth consecutive win for Sporting uh, as they cling on to some slim title hopes. Um, it was a pretty comprehensive result against Tondela, I thought. Notable, really, for an impressive display from that front three of Pedro Gonçalves, Sarabia, Marcus Edwards. Slomani, we know, was unavailable due to some kind of internal disciplinary issue. Polino was named on the bench, um, which led to this very fluid front front three, something we've not seen too much this season, but I think it really worked. It was a little bit slow getting going. They didn't quite click straight away, but once Inacio broke the deadlock with that long-range shot, they really sort of opened up and started to play some great football. Definitely, I think. And, and what you're talking about, about that front three, I think they really showed what they can do with that with the second goal oh. all three involved yeah because yeah Paulinho who I think might have had a very slight uh ankle issue uh, I was reading before the game you know he's a divisive player himself and you know when it works it works and uh his build-up play can can often be very good but he's always question marks over his goal scoring um it was quite exciting to see that that front three and um and nice to see Mark Sedwick uh, getting more chances because I think he's done okay actually in the, in the limited time he's he's had. I think he, you know, he very much resembles a signing for for next season. Um, you know, I don't think he was expected to just come in and play every game, uh, especially in in a title bid. Um, so, but he looks to be getting getting to grips with it, and I'm sure. Um, Amarim will want the summer to to, to work um, closely yeah. with him, and um, yeah, it was it was a pretty comprehensive display in the end. It was exactly my thought on Marcus as well. It was it was his second man of the match award since he joined Sporting, which I think is quite impressive. Personally, I thought that he would need more time to settle in, and that's coming from someone who who really rates him quite highly. But he's definitely surpassing my expectations in terms of how quickly he started to make that impact. And I think it does really bode well, um, as you say, for next season when, unfortunately, sporting fans might hate me saying this, but it, the chances of them keeping hold of Sarabia are, are probably less likely than they are likely. Um, it, does bode, it does bode an interesting question about that, what that front three will look like next season, though, obviously... As you alluded to, Paulino not exactly con- convincing ever since his arrival, really. And, and Slomani, we know well he's good in the air and he can put the ball in the back of the net. But I just don't, I don't think he's really a Ruben Amarim's ideal striker. Do you think there's a solution inside that team for them next season, or do you think they should bring somebody in in the summer? Well, I think from the the few glimpses I've I've had and and of what I've read, there's there's quite a lot of hope for. Uh, the, the young strike, young striker um, Rodrigo Ribeiro, mm. but he is extremely young. I think he's not even seventeen yet. So there's been talk he will be basically a, a permanent member of the the senior squad next season. But um, yeah, I think they need, they will need extra firepower. And and I think you're you're right in saying 
keeping Sarabia will basically be impossible. You know, it just doesn't seem realistic in any, in any shape or form. Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. I mean, I, I don't know if there's going to be, I don't know if they'll look domestically. I mean, there's quite a decent amount of strikers in, in the teams below them um, that they could could take a look at. There's nothing too much in the in the sort of gossip pages at the moment. I, I agree. I think I, I, like, I like Slimani a lot, but I think yeah, I, d- I don't really see the sort of gelling with with someone like Amarim, who's who, as we've seen, has just got such a specific style and that and that using that basically exclusively that one formation. And I think it was probably just you know a, a, a short term move to to sort of uh, that appeal to to all parties, and we could even see Slimani move on in the summer. Who knows? But. Um, yeah, I definitely think they need need some backup uh, in that area, and and Godsalves could even could even go himself. He, although perhaps maybe maybe the fact that his season hasn't quite touched the admittedly ludicrous heights of the previous one, um, maybe that might see him stick around for another year. Yeah, it does seem that Sporting have been a bit unlucky with strikers recently. Obviously, they've been very fortunate in in, in many other aspects of of their game with the manager and the team doing so well over the last season or two. But Polinio, a big money signing that, that hasn't quite come off. You know, Thiago Tomas eventually was sent out on loan. Interestingly, he seems to be doing quite well in Germany. So I wonder whether he'll be reintegrated when he comes back. And then the likes of Pedro Mendes, a player who had a good season on loan at Gil Vicente last season, was rumoured to be given a chance in the first team, goes out and loans family Cowden. and doesn't really make any impact at all. So yeah, they... It, the striking position for me is one position that they haven't quite got right yet. So it will be interesting to see uh, what they do with that over the summer and towards next season. Um, let's talk about Tondela as well, Jamie, because I think, to be fair to them, their recent performances, in my opinion, have improved under the new manager, Nuno Campos. Although, personally, I was of the opinion that it wasn't quite right to get rid of Ayesteran when they did. Um, they're currently occupying the relegation playoff spot. They're one point behind Aruka. They're two points ahead of Morenz. I was looking actually at their upcoming fixtures. Now, obviously, they've got a Tessa de Portugal semi-final to look forward to, which is a great achievement and, and quite a contrast to how their their uh, league campaign has gone. But that match against Morenz next weekend becomes an absolutely vital game for both clubs. But then there's tough games to come as well. They've got Vitoria, Passos, Gil Vicente and Boa Vista. That's their last four games after Morovens. Three out of those clubs are in the top seven. Boa Vista are on a good one and form themselves. So this could get very, very tough for Tondela to get out of their current situation. I wonder what you think their prospects for survival are. Well, it's 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 a funny one with, with Tondela because, you know, they are the great escape artists of, of recent years. Uh, we talked about um, teams, you know, writing being on the wall the amount of times Tondela have been in that situation and and then just and come up trumps is is ridiculous. But um, yeah, uh, interesting appointment. Um, Nuno Campos didn't go well for him at uh, Santa Clara, mm. but I think he's I think he's a good coach because you know he's worked closely with Paolo Fonseca before. Yeah, I think they they do look to have a bit of a freshness um, since he's come in. I am quite puzzled with. Uh, team selections over the season because um, I th- I thought when uh, you know I know they're only on loan but when I th- when they got um, Eduardo Cresma and and Thiago Dantas on loan I th- I thought those were two superb signings brilliant signings and I don't know if there's anything going on behind the scenes but I just think they've been criminally underused there just hasn't been any consistency to to their their team selections. Um, and yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm I'm mystified because I think both of those players are, I think, huge talents. Um, and for me, I think more than capable of playing for their parent clubs, Benfica and, and Sporting in, in the near future. So I'm a bit puzzled by that. But um, and I think in Tondela's case as well is, um, you know, an extra intriguing factor is in all those uh, sort of dramatic survivals that I that I mentioned you know, there wasn't the relegation playoff uh, in, in place. So, um, you know, um, a 16th place won't won't uh, necessarily do it for them. So they'll 
be a bit of extra incentive and that should make things a bit more fun in the, in the running to watch. Absolutely. The 16th place no longer the safety net. It used to be, as Rio, I found out all too well last season. Well, let's do the last game from the big three and do Vittoria versus Porto now. It's fair to say that this wasn't a vintage performance really from, from either side, but it was a game notable for some dramatic incidents. Nonetheless, two penalties awarded to Porto and a particularly ugly moment when a, a fan was seemingly allowed to wander onto the pitch and aim a kick at one of the Vittorio players. Really, really uncomfortable viewing. Not nice to see at all. Um, there was a lot of noise during the game about the penalty decisions. Porto do get a lot of stick for the amount of penalties they're awarded. Mediterrami himself uh, gets a lot of stick for supposedly drawing those kind of fouls in the penalty area. Now, he won two in this match. Both were conceded by the Vittoria keeper, Varela, who let in the first but manages to save the second. I'm interested in what you make of those two incidents and the game as a whole, really, because personally, for all the noise that was going on online, I didn't have I didn't have an issue with either call. Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... Yeah, it is a case of, uh, yeah, Taremi's got this, you know, developed this reputation. And as ever with these things, I think sometimes rightly earns some criticism and, and other times, you know, it's just a, it's a skill of his and he's been very good and um, earned, deserved um, penalties and free kicks. And, and yeah, I, ag- I agree. I think, I think the second penalty, it's one of those where, I do. I feel sympathy with Varela because, to a degree, you know, I think he kind of did what a goalie would would do, and then and then it's Tarimi's, um, uh momentum that takes him into him. But that said, I I agree. It's 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 a penalty, you know. That's and that's it. So yeah, and as you say, it was it wasn't uh, wasn't an eye catching game, but you know, it's it's a classic champions sort of win that that is uh, often talked about and um looks pretty inevitable now for for Porto to to get over the line in a way it was a shame that it, it wasn't a great performance for Porto because they have been so fantastic this season and it, a great performance would have been appropriate because it was of course this game that that meant they broke that record for consecutive games unbeaten in the Premier League for anybody who doesn't know they've now made it 57 games unbeaten in the Premier League. That's a record that stretches back to November 2020. They surpass uh, the previous record of 56, which was held by Benfica, I believe. And that stood for about 40, 45 years, a long time. Um, And I think it really is important that we don't underplay the importance of a record like this, just what an incredible achievement it is. I don't know if you Remember it, Jamie. I remember very well the last time they lost in the league. It was Passos de Ferreira. They lost 2-1. And, and I remember the narrative then being that ah, Porto fallen behind in the title race and now it's kind of sporting to lose. But who would have thought that from that moment they would just go on this incredible run that sees them uh, at 57 games unbeaten? And, and to be totally honest, I don't know where that's going to stop. It's quite extraordinary. Um, you know, when you consider as well... Uh, even in the recent past, some of the exceptional um, teams that Porto have had, you know, in that sort of 2010 era, uh, where they uh, they won they won the league unbeaten, and uh, yeah, so to it to eclipse um, that and and given some of the um, you know constraints they've had, you know, in the transfer market, um, I think it's yeah, I think it's a testament. To be honest, I think it's a real testament to. To Conceição, really, because again, he's not, uh, you know, universally loved. I would say, despite the, you know, frankly, pretty exceptional success he's had. But I think, I think that's what he's about. I think he's, I think he's a good motivator of the players, and 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 that kind of record, I think, is is reflective of that because, you know, we know he's that type where he, you know. He, he blows a gasket when he you know when the players aren't aren't giving it everything and aren't aren't pushing it and and that's you know that's what he wants from from the team and um yeah i think i think that's a, a testament to the job he's done to be honest because um 
and perhaps maybe uh, maybe that match was a little bit in his image to a degree because <laughs> he has been known to, to to grind things out. Maybe not Simeone level, but um, you know he, that that that's his way. He 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 wants hundred um, percent, you know, effort and commitment over over the you know the flair aspect, if you like. So um, yeah amazing achievement and um as you say it's it's difficult to see um when that run stops because they've just been just so remarkably consistent no i think you're absolutely spot on and it's just sergio constantel has got so much right for that team the mindset is is spot on every player fights for the badge fights for their teammates um they work hard for each other they do all the dirty work correctly and when you combine that that mentality with the level of quality that they've got in the squad is just you know recipe a recipe for success as, as we've seen this season and it was obviously going to be tough for, for Victoria in this game to get anything out of it really especially when you consider the sending off that they had but I thought they did have a good go of this game and 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 perhaps on another day could have got some kind of result I definitely see Victoria personally as a team in transition I think they've steadily improved this season under new manager Pepper. I think uh, they're still quite a way off where they need to be, to be honest. But that said, they could still end up with European football next season. But there is work to be done, both on the training ground, in the transfer market and on the pitch, if they're really going to be getting back to where the fans want them to be, you know, challenging for fourth place. Um, Still work to be done in that sense. I think they made a. I think they made a good fist fist of the game, considering um, you know some of the absences they had on the day. Um, Alpha Smedo and, and Thiago Silva um, both absent. And yeah, it's been it's been a, a strange season. Um, you know, I'm just doing some uh, some research uh, ahead of today. I, I sort of picked upon the stat that they've scored uh, scored 38 and conceded 38 and that kind of <laughs> you know that kind yeah. of sums up the, that that uh, there's a you know a few of the issues there and um yeah I like Pepper as a coach I think he's I think he's got quite a high ceiling as a coach I think he could even manage one of the big three um one day but yeah I think you know that they, they'll be hurt by um you know probably finishing behind uh, Gil Vicente this this season. Um, I mean, unless their particular uh, trajectory continues, because they've they've lost a couple of big games. Because yeah, they you know on on paper they sh- they should be you know fifth really should be what is is what they're aiming for. Next season is going to be a big season for them. I feel like they've got the right manager in place now after a couple of poor managerial choices. Really, they've they've trimmed down that squad after some some questionable recruitment. So yeah, next season, I think if, if they let Pepper get his players in and, and start letting him build the squad that he wants, I think next season will be a very, very interesting one indeed. Okay. Well, let's look a little bit further down the Primera Liga table. As we know, with a lot of the European and title race pretty much tied up, the place to look for drama towards the end of the season really is uh, the relegation battle. And last week, me and Barney were chatting about a weekend where four out of the bottom five teams had won Mororens. That week were that fifth team who lost and fell into last place and looked in real danger of being left behind. Well, they kicked off this week's fixtures against Gilles Vicente, hoping to put things right. It didn't all start to plan. Rafael Martins missing an open goal from two yards out. Fabio Pacheco being sent off two minutes into the second half. But just as it looked like everything was going against them, up steps Jefferson with two goals, the second one being an absolute screamer to give them a remarkable lead. It it almost unravelled when Gilles Vicente got a goal back in the 89th minute. Mororens then hang on for 10 minutes of extra time, which they did until the referee awards Gilles Vicente a penalty in the 100th minute of the game, only for VAR to overturn the decision and for the ref to blow the whistle at full time. Now, 
it was an incredible dramatic game. And for me, as, as far as Premier League games go, it, it doesn't get much more remarkable than the last 20 minutes of this one. Yeah, I watched it. I didn't watch it live, but I uh, I watched it back uh, over the weekend. And yeah, it, it was it was pretty extraordinary stuff. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, in, in many ways, it was a it was pretty typical Premier League match <laughs> because, you know, one of one of the key things I would associate with a a, a bog standard, uh, you know, your archetypal Premier League match is an absolute bucket load of time <laughs> added on um, VAR to make a dramatic uh, intervention, and uh, yeah, and just even those those two uh, those two moments of the woodwork being hit oh, as well, um, incredible. It was, yeah, it was just <laughs> exceptional, and um, and you know, typical of a of a team down there just fighting two for now and hanging on and um it was a remarkable result for for all the reasons stated and an unthinkable uh result uh you know a few weeks ago given given the, the comparative seasons between the teams so uh yeah didn't see it coming uh, whatsoever well we, we were talking before before we pressed the record button about my kind of soft spot for more ends and and how that's kind of brought about through the chaos that, that seems to surround that club at times and this game was really no exception to that it's fair to say that more ends really haven't had a lot going for them this season they they don't have much quality in that squad um and the quality that they they did have they sold in january but since Ricardo Sopinto has come in while he's not exactly the best manager in the world the one thing that he has done is galvanised the team and clearly imparted into them the, the, the importance of the situation that they're in because those players came into this game absolutely up for the fight. I was I was very impressed, even when they went down to 10 men with the kind of positivity that, that they retained. They were the determined response that they had, not just to stay in the game, but really to, to pursue goals, which they were re- rewarded with, both of which coming from Jefferson... I alluded to uh, to his screamer of a second goal. I always say it once an episode. There's always one game. I say, if you haven't watched the game, please make sure you go and watch the replay. And I think this is going to have to be that game because the the, the second goal especially was exceptional. Um, Jamie earlier today published his weekly uh, figure of the week uh, column on the Portugal.net website. Um Definitely worth checking out. We've shared it on our Twitter page if you want to go and find it there or on Jamie's page. It was, of course, Jefferson. I don't know if there was really any, if you were in two minds about who to pick because he was really, um, really a, the star of the show and an and, and unexpected star of the show, perhaps. In the article, I sort of highlight perhaps how maybe the few people who follow Portuguese league um, might not have known who he is. And I was no exception. Um, when he when he signed, um, so it was interesting doing some you know a bit of research on him and uh, and you know uh, the fact that he'd worked with Sapinto before. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, his his second goal in particular was was ex- uh, exceptional, and um, yeah, he's he's quickly become uh, a favourite of Sapinto. Clearly, um, you know, must have seen something uh, in him when they when they worked together in Turkey. But yeah, and and as you say, you know they they did they did lose talented players this season um, at inopportune moments. You know, Abdu Conte and um, Felipe Suarez um, in particular. You know, and the quite frankly bizarre signing of Kevin Morales is um, <laughs> you know has uh, looks to be at the moment a gamble not paying off. I'm still hoping for uh, just one screamer from Morales, Jamie. Just it's one. I, yeah, that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if he can stay fit enough for longer than, uh, <laughs> you know, 50 minutes or whatever it was he managed, um, we yeah. might see it. But, uh, yeah, and and Sapinto is, is a combustible character, to say the least. And, you know, based on his previous experiences, his experiences at times, that seems to be effective. It just, you know, it doesn't really seem to hang around too, too long. The results given them... A fighting chance but uh yeah there's a long way to go for them and uh yeah they've got that that showdown against tondela uh next week which which as we said with tondela is is going to be equally 
pivotal uh, pivotal for for them. So just just looking forward to seeing you know you know see, play the lottery and see which which team turns up because uh, they're a bit all over the place really. I mean, I think there's probably, and it pains me to say it, there's probably a fair argument to say that they they do deserve to go down really just not just based on their performances on the pitch, but also the kind of the mismanagement that they've had, the poor managerial decisions that that the leadership have made. They they have been a bit of a basket case, but part of me just thinks, what if, Jamie, what if? Well, um, I did just like this quote from Sarpinto after the game. He says, um, he says, this is a victory of the United of believing, of the team spirit and of the soul wanting to stay in the top division. I mean, if that doesn't inspire the players, I don't know uh, what will. Um, from your percentage perspective, though, Jamie, this has to go down as a very, very, very disappointing result from a team that we've come to expect good things from this season, very good things. It wasn't that long ago that me and Barney were talking about their win over Braga in Braga and I'm wondering whether they could even be a shout to finish in fourth place since then they've they've lost I believe three out of their four Premier League games or at least two um, they're in a real poor run of form and for Gilles Vicente fanboys like myself at what point should we start getting worried that that this is not just a blip it's it is it is concerning especially yeah when we when we consider the standards that they've set this season with uh, some of the the remarkable results they got, you know, no more so really than uh, Braga um, recently. It's just quite quite extraordinary, really, because I think the three games that followed um, that win, um, based based on how they've been playing, it's it's quite extraordinary to to have only picked up. I think only picked up one point because even even the draw at home to Maritimo was. Yeah, in the circumstances, not a great result, but then to lose to to Aruka and and, and Morienza, um in consecutive games is extremely uh, unexpected. Again, given how good their squad looks, and and it's also slightly puzzling in the sense that you know it wasn't even down to a case of missing personnel. I think they've had been really lucky with injuries this season and they had their full 11 which which rarely changes um so i don't know what you know what happened uh upon the return uh to to action after the international break because as i say by their standards uh not not so much the return game but the last two games it's 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 bordering on unacceptable to have, to have picked up zero points, especially with both um, their opponents getting red cards as well, which is yeah unfathomable really that they that they that they failed to capitalise. So sadly, it seems like the wheels are sort of coming off just just the wrong moment. And um, based on the success um, they've had this season, I think we know looking looking at past evidence that. There's only there's only one certainty to these kind of situations is that and it's that these teams get dismantled pretty <laughs> uh, pretty quickly and uh, and and the bigger teams circle and and not necessarily even bigger teams but bigger pay packets can you know lure these these players away so yeah it's it's quite an alarming drop off you know they have got a c- couple of tough games. In, in, in their last five as well. So, yeah, quite an alarming trend to try and turn around. Yeah, a surprising couple of results. And, and obviously, we can only speculate as to what the situation is. But I I was quite shocked that, you know, with players of the quality of Samuelino Fandararo uh, on the pitch, that they, they couldn't have achieved better against the 10-man Warrens. It does seem really, really puzzling. So... As you say, five games left for them to secure fifth place. We'll have to see. It's up to them now to prove whether this is just a blip or whether this is really them running out of steam towards the end of the season. As a neutral who's enjoyed them, watching them play so much this season, I, I definitely hope it's the uh, it's the former. Well, let's do another game, Jamie. Let's talk about Boa Vista versus Aruka. And this was a game that I was really keen to keep an eye on uh, after both these teams won the previous weekend both interesting teams I think especially Aruka who I think on paper this season were arguably the weakest team in the league 
but I've done very, very well to kind of keep their heads just above water as the season's gone on. They're currently just one point above the relegation playoff uh, and back-to-back wins would have been an amazing boost for them, but it wasn't to be as I think they were relatively comfortably beaten by Bovista. Um, it was an excellent solo goal for Kenji Gore to give Bovista the win. It was only Bovista's sixth win of the season, which is quite remarkable when you consider that they're a relatively safe 11th place in the league. But yeah, I think for me, this game was all about one team who are an established top division side and one team who you can tell just don't quite have that Premier League pedigree. Yeah, there's a there's there's a lot to like about Aruka uh, and their squad and how they've gone about uh, their season because you know it's 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 pretty remarkable their their rise back to the top flight to have just done it in consecutive seasons and the way they just took apart Rio Ave in the uh, in the the playoff last summer and something which is you know a little bit unusual to a degree. Um, besides coming up to the top division is that they didn't really change the squad too much, um, which has always, as I say, seems to be something quite commonplace um, where even a team, you know, that gets, gets promoted is, is often taken apart to, to try and bring in more seasoned pros and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, I think perhaps they, they already possess that within some of the personnel um, they've got good experienced players um, and they brought in David Samal, which who I think is, is a really good player for this level um, in the winter. So, yeah, I think, I think perhaps it was inevitable they would be in the dogfight for much of the campaign, given um, what we've already said about, uh, you know, the squad and, and, and this, this idea of consecutive promotions. Yeah, tough game for them against Boa Vista, who, as you say, because, I, I, yeah, I, when I think about Boa Vista, I think, I think of them having a, a pretty solid season, but it is quite an unusually low amount of games to have won. Uh, looking at it now, I mean, 15 draws is quite staggering, really. It's almost half um, their points. Well, exactly, yeah. The, the backbone of, of, <laughs> of their consistency is drawing, which is a sort of a bit of a strange thing to say but <laughs> yeah they've had a you know kind of a they had a rocky start and um and uh you know Petit's come in and very safe pair of hands and you know maybe not the most exciting coach out there but has kind of done what he's done quite a lot in his career um so yeah and they they they've got an interesting team I really like um Peter Musa who looks like a, a decent striker and looks like he's on his way to to Benfica, in fact, um, if reports are to be believed, and um, yeah, I, I I like their squad. Uh, I, I like their players. Uh, um, you know, I like I like Gustavo Sauer, who um, who was who was absent uh, for for uh, the Aruca game, but um, yeah, I, I really rate him as a player, and um, yeah, I think they've got decent depth. So it's so I guess in in that sense it is a little bit surprising to to see that they've not won as many games. But um, the table being what it is, if they can sort of pocket this momentum they've got with consecutive wins, then you know could easily see them sort of making a late raid for sort of top seven or something like that. Well, I think those those aspects that you point out, just having those one or two players of of higher quality and having that experienced manager are kind of what set them apart from, I think, the other teams at the lower end of the table, probably the reason why they've done so well. One player that I do want to talk about from Bovista was the goal scorer, Ken Jagori. I think he's somebody that I've kept my eye on really since last season when he was at Nacional. I I don't think there was really much fanfare when, when he signed for Bovista. I think he was kind of seen as a bit of a cut price deal for a club that were looking for bargains. Obviously, he arrived as a free agent, but I really thought that he he could add quality to that Boa Vista attack. And I, I think he's proved that this season. He's not always been given opportunities to start, but certainly in the last month or so, I think he's been on a good run of form. This was his second goal of the season, but he's also contributed five assists. And I think when you watch him and you watch his game, 
it's more than just about those numbers. He's an, he's an excellent dribbler. His direct running causes real problems for, for, for any defence. I think we've seen a number of times where he doesn't necessarily get the credit credited for an assist, but his running into the box will be what causes enough problems for uh, for Bovista to, to get a goal. And I think personally that he's a very underrated player. I'm just interested if he's somebody that, that you've had much of a chance to watch, really. Yeah, he wasn't really able to show it at, um, at Nacional. And um, yeah, I thought he would come in as a as a squad player. Yeah, I think he's I think he's done I think he's done well. He's uh, as those num- numbers you mentioned, I think I think are, are pretty good considering he's he's been far from a regular starter in, in the team. Uh, and as we've you know as we've touched on that uh, you know. They, Petit is, you know, obviously on the on the pragmatic side of things, and and you know, as their draw record was, would suggest, it's been, uh, you know, they're perhaps not the most attacking and and easy on the eye for for a flair sort of winger like like Ori. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think he's been, I think he's had a good season, and you know, I think this is a good kind of level for him to to settle at, try and settle at. To a team and 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 really establish himself, um, and I could see him only improving next season. It'd be interesting to see whether he does stick around because I believe I could be mistaken, but I believe he only signed a one-year deal. So it will be interesting to see whether he sees Portugal as as a, as a place where he can um, make a make a name for himself. Because as you say, I think uh, he's he's done pretty well considering the minutes that he's had um, this season. Well, I think we've got time for one more game to discuss and I think it's um, I think it's appropriate that we end our discussion this week with the last game from Jornada 29 tucked away last night uh, was Vizela versus Braga a game that ended 1-0 to Braga but not for lack of trying from Vizela's perspective a red card from Braga midway through the first half meant that Vizela put Braga through something of an onslaught I thought in the second half it was kind of wave after wave of attack at times. But weirdly, they never quite looked like scoring. And and, and perhaps that's indicative of, of Vizela's season as a whole. A lot of attacking intent, some good footballing ideas, but too often lacking the kind of end product to get their rewards. As I, I agree with uh, you, you're saying uh, that they, they've tried to do things in the right way. And I think... Um, Pacheco has proved himself to be a pretty interesting coach. Again, you know what? When you look through the squad as a whole, um, personnel-wise, to me, doesn't scream um, Premier Liga, but uh, I, I, I think they've done. I think they've done excellently. I think they've definitely exceeded my expectations. Um, as of yet, they feel, they have, feels like they haven't really got too dangerously dragged in to the fight I mean they're far from safe I would I would say um, but um, again w- really would be quite remarkable I think to to stay up considering the, the size of the club and and their lack of experience at, at this um, level and again it was was a good time to play Braga considering their their schedule and perhaps their priorities are you know are, are more um, with Europe so yeah, a really disappointing result in the circumstances, but um, but yeah, I think they're in a I think they're in a reasonable uh, reasonable position for in terms of you know their expectations for the season. Tilted, I think they've got a pretty generous run in, and they mm. can I think they can look at a lot of those games, and there's opportunities to pick up points. So, but yeah, even a point could have been um, result in 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 the relegation battle. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I definitely think Vizela are a team that if they do manage to stay up coming into the season, I think it will be appropriate to to really take a kind of step back and, and assess what an achievement that is. As you say, they're they're a team that I believe I'm right in saying achieved two consecutive promotions to make it to the top division. And 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 the thing about Vizela, of course, is that a lot of the players playing for them today are the players that were playing in the third tier for them. So it really is a, an incredible achievement of a team that has stuck to their identity and it's seen them on a bit of a fairy tale story 
um of course i don't want to jinx it so you know let's save that conversation for um the end of the season um for braga jamie the one goal was enough in the end and, and while it wasn't their best performance of the season by any means. It does continue a, a fine run of form, which includes, of course, that Europa League success. Three wins in a row in the league, firmly secure in fourth place, really looking to lock in that European football for next season or the next couple of games. How do you assess Braga's season as a whole? Because while there hasn't really been any real challenge from them on the top three. They've still comfortably been what we expect from them, you know, the best of the rest, for want of a better phrase, for that whole season. No one's really challenged them. They started off a little bit inconsistent, but for me, Carlos Cavaliao, the way he's brought through some of those young players and, and the form he's managed to to get out of them this this second part of the season, I think has has, has been a successful season. Yes, definitely. I think especially if they can achieve uh, Europa League semi-final, then, then that in of itself is, represents uh, an excellent season. I think there will still be a little bit of disappointment that they are not really being able to close the, the gap on those three because I think that's a legitimate ambition of the club. I just think uh, there will be a, a fraction of disappointment um, that they that they've been so far behind because I, sp- I especially think in the context of uh, you know Benfica being well below par, I think that should have been seen as as a target you know a re- really doable target to to slip into that third place. So I felt that they can really close close that gap domestically and yeah I think there'll just be a slight tinge of dis- disappointment that they didn't make a better fist of that, but uh, you know. That said, it, it will be it will would be offset by uh, you know further further European success. So, if, especially if they can make the last four, it, it has to be considered uh, you know job well done. Absolutely, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. For me, that only slight caveat is just because we've seen Benfica kind of leave the door open a little bit. You know, the fact that they didn't make more of a fist of of getting into that third spot. Maybe that's a disappointment, but I think that would be really that would be really applying high standards to them. I think um, what they've achieved, especially as you say, with with the bonus of the European uh, successes, has been absolutely fantastic. And look, that can be their aim for next season, as it seems to be every season. Um, well, look, I think that's about all we've got time for on this week's show, except for my favourite part of the show, where we recommend a game to watch. At the weekend for our listeners, Jamie, I did set you some homework and I wonder whether you've got a little game for our listeners as a recommendation to watch. And of course, there is one obvious one. So you can't have that. Yes. Yes, I, I will. Uh, I will avoid the, uh, the obvious uh, <laughs> Lisbon derby um, between Sporting and Benfica, which will obviously take centre stage. But yeah, I would... Um, you know, we've we've mentioned it in in passing uh, over the course of of the podcast. Um, I think it's got to be Morens events. Uh, Ella, you know, they're they're both occupying um, the relegation places uh, as we speak. Um, two points separating them, um, and just just an enormous match uh, with with so much on the line. For, for Tondela if they can win and establish a, a five-point buffer um, to a fellow struggler like that would just be, you know, potentially that that could be a, a enough to at least see them uh, avoid the automatic um, drop zone places. And and Morens coming off, off the back of, of that fantastic win that we've discussed, you know, m- maybe they're going to have the, the edge in terms of momentum and, and the home advantage as well. So I'm fully expecting, um, you know, <laughs> not the highest quality, but just <laughs> sheer bloody-minded uh, <laughs> fight from both teams. And, uh, Absolutely. And, yeah, that's that's the one one for me if, uh, you know, could get a bit tasty as well. Absolutely. But if it's, if it's got any of the chaos factor that Morrowinds versus your percent had, it'll be well worth a watch but that was absolutely going to be my choice as well so if I'm going to offer up 
something different. The one game I think you could look out for would actually be on the Friday, 8.30 p.m., Vittoria de Guimaraes versus Pastor Ferreira. Now, I picked that because Pastos are a team that we didn't have time to talk about today, but they have been really going under the radar as an improving team. They now sit, I believe, in seventh place or one place below Vittoria. So that's going to be a really, really fascinating game to see whether Passos can gain ground and maybe sneak um, into that last spot behind um, Gilles Vicente. Well, we are going to leave it there for this week. I just then have to say a massive thank you once again to Jamie for being the world's best super sub uh, filling in for Barney. We really, really uh, appreciate it, Jamie. Um, that was really good fun. So I, I appreciate your time. My pleasure. No, thank you for uh, thank you for inviting for, uh, me on. And um, yeah, it's been uh, been fun to talk as always. Well, I'm sure we'll have Jamie on uh, again in the not too distant future. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, um, you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating on Spotify. If you want to get in contact with us, you can find us on Twitter at Longball Football, and I believe Jamie is at FR Football Jamie. Um, I'm sure we'd both be more than happy to get involved in any conversations you want to have about the show or the league in general. But it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.